This is a Player One podcast. Player One is a radio show about gaming that airs every Friday from 6 to 8pm on Sin Nation, a digital radio station in Melbourne, Australia. You can also stream Player One at syn.org.au. And to find out more about Player One, go to syn.org.au slash Player One. Enjoy the podcast. Pokemon's competitive metagame may seem simple to some and entirely too complex to others. While the game is built on a simple rock-paper-scissors mechanic, there's plenty of room to get creative, with all the Pokemon, moves, breeding, training, team compositions and items to utilize and deal with. I'll be running through some elements and basic strategies that you'll likely encounter and how to run them or deal with them. This is your competitive Pokemon Crash Course with San from Player One. I've always been fascinated with the competitive Pokemon scene but never really sat down and learnt about it. Recently I had a chance to take a moment and smash out some of the basic strats and concepts that new competitive trainers would be dealing with with our resident Pokemon master Michael. Here's what I learned. Let's start with offense. Strikers, glass cannons or more commonly known as sweepers are the bread and butter of your assault. Their primary function in teams is to strike quicker than their opponents and take them out in one or two quick hits easily drawing comparisons to the archetypical assassin in RPGs. Thusly, sweepers tend to be Pokemon with high speed stats, with a preference towards either physical attack or special attack. Gengar and Alakazam are some examples of classic special sweepers. Scizor, Infernape and Gyarados are some options for physical. Keep in mind that a sweeper's defense is almost entirely dependent on its offense. If you can get into a situation where you can withstand its onslaught and actually trade blows with them, you'll find that this class of Pokemon is incredibly fragile. Alternatively, if you can get the first hit in with your own sweeper, it will usually score you a quick knockout. On that note, run sweepers with a versatile move pool. Usually, this will be led by a move which is the same type as its user. This will result in notable bonus damage, which is called same type attack bonus, or stab for short. Also consider moves that counter a wide variety of types, particularly those that are known for beating your own. This would allow you space to bait and predict switchouts and avoid using attacks that your opponent resists. Mind games and proactive play could net you some free KOs. As opposed to sweepers, healers, walls or tanks are heavy, bulky Pokemon who can take a hit. These Pokemon are the grinding defense of a team, keeping you busy as they use the time to set up hazards, inflicting status ailments and other effects. They'll also waste your time while healing and stalling, while getting in chip damage whenever they can. As you would expect, walls prioritize having high HP along with defense or special defense. Ferrothorn, Shuckle, Vaporeon, Blissey, and Gudra are some great examples of Pokemon who fit into this class while also dipping their toes into a handful of aggressive options. If sweepers are sprinters, tanks are the marathon runners. They want to outlast and wear you down, and slowly but continuously hinder your ideal moves. To bypass their meager offensive options, they will utilize status effects and hazards. After this preliminary phase, they'll act more like a bodyguard. All they want to do is soak damage and waste your time, and probably laugh at you. Wall Pokemon are difficult to handle, but they can often be exploited by their clear weaknesses. Just like the Death Star, some smart shots will topple the giant. Try to get rid of tanks ASAP. After they've locked in and set up, it's a lot rougher on you and your team. At the end of the day, would you rather deal with a bomb before or after it's armed? Wide type coverage will be your friend here. Be prepared and you'll have the tools to exploit an overconfident Goliath. Third is the Trapper. Pokemon who use entry hazards. 
These Pokemon have a lot of overlap with solid tanks since they require time to set up. Despite this supposed weakness, they frequently see competitive play, since it's almost a necessity in getting an upper hand on your opponent. All's fair in love and Pokemon. As of generation 6, there are currently 4 moves that act as entry hazards. They each affect Pokemon switching in differently. Spikes. They can be stacked up to 3 times, and when activated with 3 stacks, it knocks off a quarter of an incoming Pokemon's HP. Toxic Spikes. One layer will poison any Pokemon, and two will badly poison them. Stealth Rock damages all Pokemon based on their weakness or resistance to rock type. And Sticky Web, which reduces the opposing Pokemon's speed by one stage as it comes in. Entry hazards are generally set up by bulkier Pokemon as they risk taking a hit as they set them up. Examples are Skarmory, Fortress, Dawnfen, Roseraid, Tentacruel, and Tyranitar. As Pokemon swaps are unavoidable and a necessary component of matchups, Entry hazards are a simple and effective way to gain the upper hand in a competitive match, and can easily punish unprepared teams. Dealing with entry hazards can be difficult, but the most direct ways are the moves Rapid Spin and Defog, which will clear the field of all hazards in a single move. Otherwise, knowing their counters and limitations is the only way to go. For example, a Poison type Pokemon will absorb any instance of Toxic Spikes on your side of the field. A Pokemon with Magic Bounce as an ability will knock back any entry hazards and give them a taste of their own medicine. And Flying and Levitated Pokemon can avoid some of them. Just don't forget about them when you have to switch again. Finally, an inadvertent way of dealing with trapping Pokemon is knowing their general types. The Pokemon that usually run this strat are Steel, Rock, Poison, and Bug Pokemon. So create teams accordingly. Stepping on Legos is not a fun pastime for you, so it shouldn't be for your Pokemon. Ramps, Scalers, and Late game monsters, all Pokemon who buff themselves to unlock their potential. At the end of the process, there are finely honed edge, or an immovable object. Sometimes both. Maybe it's a bad idea to let Goku finish charging the Spirit Bomb. Just because your Pokemon is fully evolved, doesn't mean it's in its final form. As you likely know, there are 6 stat values in Pokemon. HP, Attack, Special Attack, Defense, Special Defense, and Speed. You can raise or lower a stat 6 levels by 0.5 increments. Raising 1 level increases it to 1.5 its original value. Pretty much every Pokemon has access to moves and abilities that can buff or nerf itself or its opposition. Stat boosts and nerfs are completely negated though when a Pokemon is switched out. Once a Pokemon has maxed out its favorable stats though, it becomes unbeatable pretty quickly. Think the Juggernaut after he starts running. To tackle stat boosts, it's imperative to try to force an opponent to switch out before it maxes out its stats. In most situations, they're focused on buffing, but not necessarily taking out your Pokemon. So get in free hits when possible. Abilities such as Contrary reverse stat changes, and attacks such as Haze negate every stat change. Think of buffers like snipers. After they line up the perfect shot, they're going to take you all out. Otherwise, you can delay power spikes by playing to nerf or debuff buff the opposing Pokemon. It can slow their process, however forcing a swap or taking them out is far more effective. Some damaging attacks affect stats, so you can play to multiple short term goals. Play proactively rather than reactively, because if you don't, Baton Pass allows Pokemon to switch out and pass on 
all of its stat changes over to the next Pokemon. And trust me, dealing with a Pokemon with full HP, which has been completely buffed, not my idea of a fun time. Buffing your own stats and reducing your opponents are a crucial component to the competitive game. Many attacks are used to boost stats, but a lot of the quicker methods often mean sacrificing a turn purely to boost stats. Although this is usually worth it, there's a fine balance to buffing yourself and attacking. So don't tunnel vision too hard on buffing yourself before taking out an opponent. They might get too much free damage on you and you might lose your chance to strike. Each Pokemon can have a single held item in battle. Items like gear and builds in other games are super important and can really affect how both sides of the battle plays out. Typically, items do one of three things. One, they can save you from specific situations. Two, they cover up general weaknesses of your Pokemon. Or three, they push what they're good at into overdrive, sometimes with a trade-off. Common held items include leftovers, which heal about 6% of a Pokemon's HP per turn. Choice items, which boost a particular stat by 50%, but only allow the Pokemon to use a single move for the duration of its play. Light Clay increases the duration of defensive moves such as Reflect and Light Screen from 5 turns to 8. Berries, which can get you out of a tight spot if your prediction pays off. They activate immediately when specific situations arise. For instance, a Lumberry will automatically heal a Pokemon's confused state if it occurs. Otherwise it does nothing. And Mega Stones are also held items and allow certain Pokemon to Mega Evolve. A Mega Evolved Pokemon gets 100 extra base stats and often new abilities. A player may only use one Mega Evolved Pokemon per battle, and often strategies and team compositions revolve around the Mega. Attacks such as Knockoff will remove the opposing Pokemon's held item, although this will never work on a Mega Stone, and moves such as Trick and Switcheroo will swap the player's item with the opponent's. Other than that, just like Pokemon themselves, items are a constant. You're going to have to play more with them and knowing what they do rather than playing against them wholly. Stay informed and scout what you're likely to come up against. That may sound crazy since there's such a wide variety of items and even more Pokemon, meaning there are a ton of options to take into battle, but I would suggest research. Research what's out there and base your output on other people's successes. Then iterate however you see fit. You might just find the next OP. Smorgan and Bulbapedia are great resources sources in the meantime. Abilities are special qualities assigned to every Pokemon that create more complexity and is an added layer of strategy in the game. They have an enormous range as to what they can achieve for Pokemon, and it's recommended that you play to your Pokemon's ability. They were the big thing that was introduced in Gen 3 that changed the depth of the metagame forever. In modern terms, it could have been a completely new DLC gameplay pack. You know, if Nintendo was into that. It made individual Pokemon more than just the sum of its parts, moves, types, and stats. Though, of course, those are also incredibly important, particularly on the field of battle. At the end of the day, the Pokemon with the most well-crafted set of skills, stats, and ability that all support them will win out. Place that into a synergistic team, that's when you can probably start calling yourself a Pokemon Master. Some common and otherwise notable or powerful abilities include Levitate, which grants its user immunity to ground-type attacks. This is particularly useful on Pokemon such as Gengar and Rotom, who would otherwise be 
weak to ground type moves. In fact, if they didn't levitate, they'd probably be knocked out immediately. Intimidate, used by Pokemon like Luxray and Salamence, will lower their opponent's attack stat by one stage whenever they join the battle. Water Absorb and Volt Absorb will see the Pokemon heal HP whenever it's hit by its respective type. That means if you predict an attack of these types, it might come in handy for a switch in. Another notable abilities are weather abilities such as Snow Warning, Sandstream, Drought and Drizzle, which alter the battle's weather conditions. When used correctly can buff and nerf certain Pokemon and their attacks. And on top of that, maybe doing a little chip damage on the side. Abilities are unavoidable, and the best approach is to know and understand what each ability does and how it's going to affect you in battle. Don't be sending in your physical sweepers to be intimidated, and don't be throwing out earthquakes in a futile attempt to attack those floating ghosts. Abilities are ingrained in each Pokemon species, and thusly the battle. Each Pokemon can only have a maximum of three options, and each is only born with one. Additionally, understand the abilities of your own team and play to them for your advantage. For example, Technician, which you can get on Scizor and Breloom, increases the power of considered weak moves with a power of 60 or less by 1.5. Makes you consider things that mightn't otherwise be viable. And that's all we have time for. Of course, this was just a quick run through of the surfaces of the Pokemon metagame to familiarize yourself with some key concepts. The metagame can seem overwhelming, but with time, it will become easier to understand. Try out various strategies out for yourself. And remember, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Player1SYN, where you can let us know your favorite competitive Pokemon memories. I hope you're on your way to becoming an ace trainer. This has been Sam for Player One. This has been a Player One podcast. To check out more Player One, go to syn.org.au slash Player One.